Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. I got to tell you, by the way, uh, simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. If you would like to get in, now is a good time to do so. In the next segment, we will be talking some high school football. Speaking with Vermilion Catholic head football coach Brock Prejean, who's screaming Eagles, are undefeated on the season and unfortunately have to play on the road Friday against an old powerhouse in uh, in Southern Lab. We'll, we'll talk to Coach Prejean about how that matchup looks and we'll we'll review some other height the other high school matchups a little bit. Also, obviously things are a little complicated this week with high school coverage because one Thursday is Thanksgiving and two everyone's out of school. And so coaches are practicing most to all the teams are practicing like right now. And so it's it's a little more usually j- during the rest of the school year they're in school right now but because of Thanksgiving week they're practicing right now so it kind of complicates it but on Friday the plan as of now we're going to talk to coach Lewis Cook the legend from Notre Dame the Pios are hosting Episcopal and also hoping to um, and also hoping to are planning on talking to Karen Crow head football coach Tony Corville, who's, who had a huge win over Acadiana last week, and they will be playing on the road against number one seeded Warren Easton. So a uh, big matchup there. And so um, we'll be talking some high school football. Then, of course, our weekly conversation with Cody Juno on Tuesday. Uh, again, the game hotline is 706-0111. I did not watch the game last night. I, I could, you know, even if I wanted to, I just, I just, I just, I just couldn't stomach it. I, I just, I know what's about to happen deep down on Sunday, and I'm like, I am not watching this. I just, there's just no way. I just, well, one, I was really, really busy. Thanksgiving, the Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of Thanksgiving week is nice because you're off Thursday, but you got to pay the price for money. It's kind of like when you're trying to get everything done before you go on vacation. I know it's just like one day, but it, it, it you know, deadlines are earlier. It's just a, yesterday was an extremely busy day. So I'll probably, even if, now look, don't get me wrong. If the Saints were playing, I'd have figured out a way. But if it's not the Saints or the Broncos, then there's no, you just, you know, you just do what you, you you do what you have to do. Um, speaking of the Saints and the Broncos, Melvin Gordon was released yesterday. Melvin Gordon is on a tear of fumbling the football that, like, it might be unprecedented. <laughs> really, it just it's unbelievable. I mean, and this guy's not exactly had a donkey career. 
it wasn't that long ago he was probably considered a top five or six back in the league. And he's not that old. And he hasn't been that injured. He's kind of, he's, you know, I I, I think he, he has some potential. I think, I don't think he has a bad attitude at all. I just think that whatever reason, he's got this mental thing that, he, he can't stop fumbling. Uh, and it's not like he's just dropping the ball. I think once you develop a fumbling habit, then then people really start punching at the ball. And people just punch and punch. And they punch anyway, but they're really punching when Melvin Gordon gets gets the ball. But if, if again, fumbling is a, is a huge issue. And I, I can understand why someone would say, look, I, we can't deal with a fumbler. Uh, you know, I get that. But other than the fumbling, I, there's a lot that I really like about Melvin Gordon. He can catch the ball and he can run the ball. And he's a veteran. I, I would love for the Saints to pick him. Now, if they say, well, we, we just look, we, we, we've had so many turnover issues this year. Plus, you know, the Saints don't like running backs. They don't really like running backs. They like just, I don't know what they like. I mean, they, they just. For over for two years now, it's like, well, we don't really want any running backs on our team. Oh, okay, that's a good plan. Let's just let's just not have any running backs on our team. I, I don't I don't quite get it, but that's kind of the the, the attitude the Saints have had uh, over the last two seasons. But he's Melvin Gordon is very intriguing to me. But again, I, the fumbling issue is, oh man. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. What's going on, brother Kale? Now, where have you been? You hadn't called in about a month, so now you want to call and rub it in my face that you're about to crush me. No, no, that's not true, Kev. That's I know, I know. True. i just it's, giving you a hard time. It's, it's, it's hate week, and I got to go to Thanksgiving to my brother, and, man, I don't know if I'm alive over there, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they should have let you in. I don't know, man. They, 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 yeah, man, it's hate week, man. It's hate week, man. You know, we got to get along for Thanksgiving, but they're not going to like me for three hours for, you know. But like, like I tell you, Kevin, the Saints, every time we play y'all, is always a good game, and y'all blitz somehow gets to Jimmy, and he just makes some mistakes, man. So I don't know. I'm always worried about playing the Saints, man. I don't, and I don't, I don't. I mean, the Saints have half a football team right now. I don't know how in the world they're going to come within two touchdowns just because they can't. I mean, in most years, they can physically compete with them on the line. The Saints have been a very physical football team for a while now, so they kind of matched up with, with, with y'all pretty well. But right now, it's they're just decimated on the line of scrimmage. Again, they're playing with half a team. I I don't see how this is going to be a competitive game. I really don't. I mean, it's just a but bad you know, matchup. Like, maybe earlier in the season they could have before they got just too, so many injuries. I, I don't see it. But you know what y'all look like, Kevin? Y'all look like, remember when a couple of years ago when everybody was on hour for the Niners? And you said it's like you never seen that many injuries? Right, I remember that, yeah. That, that's how, that's how, that's what y'all Well, exactly. Said. I mean, again, it and... and and early on, it wasn't it wasn't really in the trenches. The injuries were everywhere else, and now they're still everywhere else, and they're in the trenches. I mean, 
you know, they're playing without three and sometimes four starters on the offensive line. They're without three starters on the defensive line now. I mean, it's just, again, they could play a finesse team right now and maybe win kind of like the Rams are. But to play, uh, you know, your team is one of the top two or three most physical teams in in, in the in the NFL right now. I, I just don't see how they can compete with. It. I yeah, I think yeah, on paper I, this is a total I mismatch. Believe you got to play on the field, and I do not give W's and, and L's, man. So no, I understand. I, I, I understand. I understand. You know how they go. But uh, before I go, I just want to tell you congratulations on your Astros and Astro fans out there. Want to tell y'all congratulations? I know that ease your mind, Kevin. Oh, it makes it makes it it makes it much better. Yes, yes. So may you have a happy Thanksgiving. You man. too. Good and hearing I'll from you again. Week, Thank whatever you. Whatever the outcome gonna be. All right. All right. Speaking of the Astros, and 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 again, I've hated. I don't even know how the old Dwight is, but chances are I've hated his team since before he was even born. But again, I. He, he's he's a good fan. He's not a cocky fan. Now, if you if I've talked about this before, if you're one of these cocky fans for your team, you're going to call up and try to throw stuff in our face. You know, our conversations might not be quite so cordial. But Dwight and I have always gotten along. I hate his football team, but I you know as long as he sticks with him and he's and he and he can talk reasonable without doing all this silly talk. Um, we we have always had you know. Good conversation, so I, I, you know, he's always welcome to come on, even though I hate his football team. Um, but he brought up the Astros, and I've had a few moments. You, this it happened once last week, and I had a different kind of a moment this morning. Like I had a moment that well, once last week, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, when do the Astros play tonight? And I'm like, wait a minute. They don't play tonight. We've already won the World Series. Like, I, it's kind of like when you get up on Saturday morning and and you're like, oh no, I'm late. And then you realize, wait a minute, I don't have to go to work today. It's Saturday morning or Sunday morning. I'm sure you've had one of those moments. That's a tremendous feeling. And then this morning, I don't know. I was just eating breakfast and my mind was going or this and this, and it just hit me. The Astros won the World Series, and I, I think I, I think it was, I think it was like it, it gave me a feeling that was good, that even better than it, it it's been in that moment than the whole time. So yeah, the, I'm gonna get those moments here and there as as um, the off season goes on, where you just, man, that's really nice. <laughs> they won the World Series, like really nice. So you gotta you gotta enjoy. So I, um, to Dwight's point, yes, it it makes. You know the mash unit situation that the Saints are in uh, once again a little easier to take, and um, I wish I knew what their plan was at running back because their plan right now is not a good one. I wish they knew what they were thinking at quarterback because I don't like direction that is going. I don't. But and I wish I knew when that's day one gonna come is gonna come back because I think it all starts there, and I'm really starting to get the feeling he's not gonna play again this season. I mean I hope that that's not correct, but and maybe that's just you know we've that's all we have that's all that you know oh he's just gonna be out a few weeks oh he's oh he's six weeks he's still hadn't, oh he's not gonna play again this season. I mean we've heard how many times have we heard that over the last two seasons? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
And so I'm very concerned that's going to be the case. And again, it has no chance of getting better. Even And when I mean getting better, I'm not talking about they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to have a winning season. None of that stuff. Because they already have nine losses. Like, they have no chance of beating the Cheaters. And they have no chance of beating the Eagles. So their record right now is really 4-9. That's really their record. But, um, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about just the ability to win two or three games in a row. Um, you know, I, I you know, I don't see how it could happen unless he comes back. And then they can that can give them enough depth to where they can maybe cover someone and then maybe be able to, you know, get enough of a pass rush. And really the key problem is defend the run. I, you know, just, I mean, they can't defend the running game against the Rams and the Steelers. How are they going to stop the cheaters? I mean, this is not, this is not even a fair fight, Sunday. It, 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 it's not even, you know, again. They can't stop the Rams running game. They couldn't stop the Steelers running game. How know where they're going to stop the Eagles and the Cheaters? How are they going to do that? I just, I don't know. Oh, man. It is not fun being this pitiful on the line of scrimmage. I'm just telling y'all that right now. It's not fun. I'm not used to this. Feels like 2016 all over again. Awful. All right, we'll take a timeout, shift gears. Talk to Vermeer Catholic head football coach Brock Prejean on the other side of this timeout on the game. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving, number eight. At your dinner this year, make sure that the alcohol is locked away. Because you know how Uncle Carl gets. So keep the booze away from Carl. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome Back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, Christmas comes early sweepstakes. You could win a $500 Visa gift card. Christmas come early sweepstake presented by Armin Tar Jewelers. Simply enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you might win a $500 Visa gift card. Would be outstanding when a Christmas come early sweepstakes. Again, powered by... Ormontar Jewelers and the game, 1037 Laviette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We have with us Vermeer Catholic head football coach Brock Prejean. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on this morning. Hope everything's good with you. Oh, you too. I know everything's good with you, other than the fact that you're undefeated in the number one seed and you got to travel to Baton Rouge, but I guess that's how things work sometimes. Yeah, hey, we're excited. We're excited. We're practicing during Thanksgiving. So, you know, wherever we got to play, we're, we're, we're happy to do it. All right. So, obviously, anyone who's spent any time following high school football over the last 20 or 30 years knows, you know, the, the success that Southern Lab has had over the years. So, what, are you, what, are you, what have you seen from them? What kind of football team and uh, what are they doing well on film? Yeah, they uh, – and they're, they're – they're athletic, they're fast, they're physical. You know, it's what we would expect in a, in a quarterfinal uh, matchup. They're going to be tough at their place, there's no doubt. Um, got, a, got a phenomenal quarterback, really young talent. 
great skilled players, and then they're real beefy up front. So we're going to have to play a really, really quality football game to, uh, to, to match with them. And they play at Southern, correct? They do. We'll be at uh, Mumford Stadium on Friday night. So as far as um, the w- what does the matchup look like in the trenches? You know, I've been incredibly proud of our offensive line all year. Uh, you know, it's it's one of the reasons we, we lean so heavily on the run games because our guys afforded us the opportunity to do that. So I don't expect anything different. You know, I think our, our O-line has been fairly undersized at times to other to opponents, and, and they've, they've, you know, put on a show in those opportunities. So we're looking forward to it there on the defensive side. You know, we're a 3-3 defense, um, and we, you know, we try to make sure you lose guys and we send pressure from depth. So, you know, hopefully we can play those games with those guys and, and we can, uh, you know, find our creases where we need to find them. One of the things, I mean, it's a case at a lot of levels, but especially, you know, at the Class 1A and 2A level is how many guys do you have to play both ways? And so what does that look like on Southern Lab? And so what does that match up with y'all look like? They, they do a good job. Similar to us, I think they understand that it's a, you know, especially later in the year in those four-quarter type environments that uh, it's an advantage to have guys that get a chance to breathe. And our coaches have done a tremendous job of managing our guys. You know, we have some guys that do flip sides of the ball, but they, they all have a, a spell guy and they all have somebody that can take take the load off when necessary. And, and labs very similar. You know, they're, they're athletes uh, on, the, on the edges. They'll come in and, and they'll use a defensive guy here and there on offense when they want to try to hit a big play with them. Um, but they do a good job like us of understanding, you know, we might have small rosters, but – it's it's better to try to maximize that roster than just put 11 guys out there to play for 48 minutes. Again, we're speaking with, for me and Catholic head football coach Brock Prejean. So, look, being in the playoffs is nothing new to VC football. Been doing it for years and years. And yet this team, having not seen you play yet this year, but looking at your box scores each week and who you're playing and how – you seem to have something that even other really good Vermean Catholic teams of the past doesn't have, like even last year or the year before. Like what is it that this team seems to have even above some past really good BC teams? You know, I, I'm coaching with uh, Brad Toppin for years. He used to always talk about, uh, you know, seniors that have gone through heartbreak are tough to beat. And uh, our seniors, you know, dating back to their freshman year, They've been through some battles, a tough country day game their freshman year. Uh, really difficult, you know, despite it being one of the best high school games I've, I've seen with Wachita Christian. Right. And then last year, just battling injury after injury after injury and, and it up, coming up short against St. Fred's. I think this team just has a level of commitment. We saw it all, all off offseason. Um, we've seen it in the senior group through their leadership. I, I think they just want to make sure that they have an opportunity to go out on their terms, and, and hopefully that's not in heartbreak. And so often – over the years, and, and certainly VC is not along, it, it, you, you, you tend to play like that Washington Christian game. You're talking about, you know, 30-something to 30-something games or 40-something to 30-something games. That's not the kind of football y'all played this year. So where did that turnaround begin and how did it happen where y'all have been just completely dominant on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think that starts with Coach Wiggins. You know, came in as our defensive coordinator. We had a great one in Coach, Coach Brody and and he got an opportunity to go to Kaplan, but Coach Wiggins has come in and done an unbelievable job. You know, Coach Thompson with the defensive front and Coach uh, Briggs with the linebackers, those guys, are they're, they're special and they're, they're all committed and they do a good job of, uh, you know, making sure our guys always end up in, in an opportunity 
to make a play. And uh, the the trust they have with with each other, we've, we've talked about it all year. It's been you know really beautiful and it's kind of inspiring to see a bunch of teenagers who have that much faith in each other on the field. And uh, you know when I got there, one of the discussions we had was you know every headline I read heading into that job was VC offense, VC offense. And we, we, we wanted to flip that script. And so I've been, I've been really proud of those guys to put a little, you know, a little more respect by their name on defense in the past few years. All right. So what is it that Southern lab does on offense that might be, give y'all the biggest challenge and that y'all face this year? Like what, how does the matchup, like it's terms of what they do on offense, that could be an issue. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those games where sometimes when you're going to make a great play, they're going to be able to make a better one. Their quarterback, when things fall apart, he's uh, he's tremendous. That's one of the things that probably scares us the most. You know, you get great coverage down the field, and next thing you know, he's scampering for 25, 30 yards. And that, that can be frustrating at times. Our guys just have to, you know, stay the course and, and understand a 20-yard gain doesn't necessarily mean they're in the end zone. Um, you know, we got to make them work for everything they get and make them put solid drives together of multiple plays. And if, if we do that, I think I think we'll give us give ourselves a really good chance. All right, so you've got a really good young quarterback in Jonathan Dartez, and we we knew how good he was going to be, or had heard how good he was going to be coming in. In what ways is he better now than he was like in week two or one? Just a, a quiet confidence that I know he knows he can make the plays he has to make. Um, we've talked, you know, throughout the, the year that, you know, we might be running the ball 40 times a game, but we'll throw it when we have to. And uh, he, he showed that last week. You know, last week he made some unbelievable reads. He threw a, a, a pass to Ashton that I think is his greatest throw to date, probably the best catch we've had on the season, and, and it came at the most opportune time with 40 seconds less than a half. So just his, his confidence, and I, I know the team has confidence in him. I think he he has it more so. Uh, they've always had it, but now you you can really see it the way he's handling the offense. You know, I told Coach Bobby at halftime, uh, who's our quarterbacks coach, John John came in the locker room and he said, you know, Coach, what about this, this, and this as a concept? And I kind of smiled and I walked in the coach's office and I looked at Coach Bobby and I said, man, he's really becoming a quarterback because uh, you know he was he was absolutely right. It was something we could definitely exploit, and I hadn't even seen it to that point. So uh, just tremendously proud of his development. So you've talked about the hard work and the camaraderie and the togetherness and all, and all of those are, are important parts of a winning team. But also with the season y'all have had, you also have to be able to handle that kind of success and avoid getting tripped up because, you know, you just, you, you're so used to just killing everybody. And that's probably not going to be the case this week or, or, or the week after. How have your how have your guys handled that part of being such heavy favorites most weeks? Yeah, I think you know we we've openly discussed the fact that it's very difficult at their age to be consistent throughout a football season. Ten weeks is a long time. Now we're working on uh, you know week thirteen, and that's a tremendously long time. Uh, and I just think it speaks to their maturity. I know our coaches come in and, and they they prepare them each week to be better. And, uh, you know, that we've, our mindset truly has been we want to make sure we can beat the D.C. team that played the week before. So, you know, when we go out this Friday, we want to make sure our team is better than the team we put on the field last week. And if we can consistently do that, then I don't think we'll have any regrets, uh, you know, down the road. What's the furthest trip y'all have made this year? Uh, our furthest trip would have been to Franklin, or to Centerville. I'm sorry, so about an hour you. and a half. We'll, it'll be a fairly similar trip. Um. 
you don't – I mean, obviously everyone respects, you know, the history of Southern Lab football, as, you know, and basketball for that matter uh, as well. So obviously you know it's going to be tough. But the road part doesn't seem to bother you too much. No, look, we're, we're in the playoffs. Uh, there's going to be a challenge in front of us. I don't think these guys have flinched all year. I mean, if you're going to be on the road, you get to be in a college stadium in a in a hostile environment. I, I really believe our kids are going to feed on that. Um, you know, it's the way it's set up. Would we like to be at home? Of course, because our community support has been incredible. But uh, I have a feeling we're going to bring a whole lot of maroon and white up there to Baton Rouge Friday as well. All right, Coach. Well, I appreciate you uh, spending a little time with us, and congratulations, and uh, and good luck on Friday, and hopefully we get to speak again down the road real soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, Kev. All right. Thank you very much. Again, for me and Catholic head football coach Brock Preshaw, and, and he kind of alluded to it. He, you know, prior to that, he was an assistant coach at St. Thomas More, so he, he's been around winning football programs. And again, it's it's you know. For me and Catholic, they've had they had some rough, a few rough stretches, but for the most part, I mean they've been good since I've been covering high school football. Again, they had a few years here and there where they weren't, but you know I can remember. I don't know if it was a semifinal or a quarterfinal many years ago, the VC playing, you know Southern Lab in a in a big playoff game, freezing cold weather and all that. So. This is this is not VC's first rodeo, but man, usually, like he said, it's about the offense. And look, there it's not like their offense is not good, but the defensive numbers VC's put up this year has been unbelievable. Like, and uh, obviously, in many, in most of their games, they're significantly better than their opponents. But still, they've done that before, and you know, in games and matchups where they might win forty to twenty in the past. You know, they're winning 40 to nothing. I mean, they're playing. It's unbelievable the defense that they've played, so we'll see what happens. A lot of interesting matchups this week in high school football. And, again, I, I guess it's good. I, you know, if you're a number one seed like VC, then you kind of wish you were playing at home. Uh, the way the rules work in rounds two and three, uh, who the team that traveled the most gets to host. Once you get to the semifinals, doesn't matter the travel. The higher seed host in the semifinal round. So if VC wins, no matter who they play, they're guaranteed to play at home. And that that hasn't always been the rule either. But that was put in a couple years ago. And so I guess that's that's fair. Um, You know, at some point you should get some sort of an advantage for being a you know, a top couple's, you know, one, two, or three seed, and in VC's case, a one seed. So we'll see how all of that plays out. Again, we've got 11 teams on Friday. If you remember, I was waffling. Should I pick 11 or 12? And I was just like, oh, I don't know about this one or this one or this one. And I don't know. And I ended up going with 12, and it turned out to be 11. So, you know, that's just, it is what it is. But, Still, 11 is a very high number. 11 Acadian area teams playing, practicing on Thanksgiving week. And so we'll see how many we have come Friday at midnight or so. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, talk more to you on this Tuesday. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving, number one. Don't drop a fully frozen turkey into the deep fryer. 
please do us all a favor and don't blow up your house this Thanksgiving. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about Thanksgiving triple header, and you can hear it all right here on the game. It begins at 1130 with our boss Chuck Woods, Detroit Lions, hosting the Buffalo Bills. And interesting scenario because of the bad weather. Buffalo played in Detroit this past Sunday. Buffalo's in a weird stretch of the season. You know, they started out as a big, 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 big favorite to go to the, to go to the Super Bowl, and they they might. Uh, quarterback kind of suffered an injury, and they kind of started leaning on the ro- the the running game. I I, I kind of think that might end up being a blessing in disguise if Josh Allen can finish the season healthy and playing or healthy enough to play let's put it that way and be close to what he is health wise the fact that maybe they had to not put so much on his shoulder the last 2 weeks and and have to try to win games like they did last week with him throwing for 197 yards and not running it like crazy like he always does um and and they were able to run the football. I, I think that's going to help him in the long. I think that's going to be a blessing in disguise as long as he's healthy enough to kind of be himself in the playoffs. So, uh, but the Lions had a nice win over the Midgets this past weekend, and they have a really good offense. Now their defense at times is a little iffy, but uh, more than a little iffy at times. But um, you know they've got a good offense, so that could be a little more entertaining game than. What a lot of us are, are thinking, but we'll see. Then you got the speaking of the midgets, they play at Dallas at three thirty in Game Two of the Thanksgiving triple header. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a division game, so it's different. I don't know if the midgets are going to have enough offense, but we'll see. We'll see that game, and then the night game is the Vikings coming off a complete thrashing at the hands of the Cowboys, and and just, again, they played an emotionally and physically draining game, overtime game, the week before in Buffalo, and they did not respond well. It was a serious circumstance game. So I would be hesitant to totally, as our old friend would say, crown the, the Cowboys because they beat the Vikings 40-3. First of all, I think the Vikings are not quite as good as their record. They're still good. I don't think they're quite as good as their record show, but I think that was a serious circumstance game. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that. But it's interesting that coming off a three-point output, they're going to be playing a a really good defensive team in the Patriots. So we'll see how, um, you know, that makes that an interesting matchup. Again, three pretty interesting games, especially that third one um, matchup-wise. And so you can hear all the games on Thanksgiving Day right here on the game. Tonight, the Cajun men's basketball team plays at SMU. Uh, If you don't remember a whole lot of UL-SMU men's basketball games over the years, it's because there haven't been. 
I remember one of the other one. I was a little too young to really remember uh, at all. Um, but it's only the third time they've ever met. It's 1-1 in 1970. The Cajuns beat SMU 78-76 at Blackham Coliseum. And in 1987, the Cajuns played a non-conference game at SMU and, and got beat 65-52. That was an SMU team that um, had Dave Bliss as their head coach that went 28-7 and that season, won the Southwest Conference regular season, and made it to the NCAA tournament as a seven seed, beat Notre Dame, and lost to Duke. So that was a really good, um, and that was right at the beginning when Duke really started having big-time success under Coach K. You remember in 86, Duke made the Final Four in Dallas with Louisville and LSU uh, and Kansas, I believe. I believe Duke played Kansas, and if I remember right, LSU lost to Louisville. Uh, in in the semifinals that year, um, and then so this was the the year after that, and Duke again was dominant for a long time after that. But that was back in the era when Jay Billis and Mark Allery and uh, Dawkins and Amaker and all you know that that group was playing. But um, and so this is going to be the third meeting, ironically. The head coach of SMU, their their coach last year had a they had a really nice season, uh, and for whatever reason he retired. I don't know what all went into all that, but uh, Rob Lanier, who has been the head coach at Georgia State the last three years, the yeah the same Georgia State team that's been the Cajuns' biggest rival for a while in basketball, and the same Georgia State team that defeated the Cajuns in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Finals last season. So he is the new head coach at SMU, and they are 2-2 two and two on the season. They beat Texas A&M Commerce. They won against Evansville. They lost at Dayton, and they lost to New Mexico. So uh, they're 2-2 two and two on the year, got a lot of transfers, like a lot of teams around the country, and you know, they got – transfers from Louisville and Alabama and they've got you know they've got a player in Phelps who's averaging just under 18 points a game uh, and four rebounds and they've got Zach Newtall who was a transfer from Sam Houston State who was the Southland Conference player of the year average is averaging 14 and a half points a game and and the Cajuns you know were in that conversation attempting to get him as well. They also got a guy, um, Effie Adoji, I think is how he pronounces his name. And if that sounds familiar, he played at Troy. So the Cajuns played him twice last season, went 2-0 and against Troy. But Adoji is a good player, and, and he's averaging uh, eight points and ten rebounds, uh, you know, a good physical inside player. And uh, he, he transferred from Troy. And so you can imagine what all those transfers and a new head coach – you know, they're probably not clicking on all cylinders just yet. So it might be a good time, you know, to be playing SMU. Again, they're 2-2 two and two in the season. The Cajuns are 4-0. Oh. Uh, I don't think the Cajuns have played any. Well, Louisiana Tech might be better than, you know, who knows. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a huge difference between Louisiana Tech in terms of the quality of the team. And Tech probably is a little more together and ready to, to play 
uh, not as much in a transition phase that SMU is with a new coach and a bunch of transfers. So um, Cajuns are coming off, as I just referred to, that very good win over Louisiana Tech. So we'll see how they play against SMU. Cajuns will play at SMU tonight, uh, 7.30, man. It's strange to me because I can remember, like, 7.30 sounds so late now, and yet that's really the time a lot. Like, I can remember when I was in high school, the the game started at 7.30, and now that just seems so foreign. I don't know why they started things later then, but but they kind of did, and I it wouldn't even i wonder like the the average cajun home game in the in the 80s and 70s I, i'm kind of thinking they might have started 732 but i'd have to i'd have to look at that but um but no scheduled for 730 tonight and then the cajuns go to drake another team they played very often in the history of the program uh in iowa so cajuns on the road for thanksgiving and we'll see how um how they do it is um again it'll be nice to win um but it's not like well if they lose oh no it's it's just when the world doesn't you know again it's an early season non-conference holiday game um this team however seems very together they did not play tremendous defense in the first three quarters of their game against Louisiana Tech. But also, you know, you, you, sometimes you got to just give the other team credit, too. I mean, they knocked down. They shot the ball. You know, it wasn't like a high percentage of the shots Louisiana took were just uncontested layups. I mean, they made they they made some tough shots and, and hit a lot of perimeter shots. You got to give Louisiana Tech credit for a lot of, you know, their, their their very high shooting percentages. I mean, it was really an incredible game last Thursday from a early season shooting that kind of percentage for both teams. Because, you know, the Cajuns, the Cajuns made 70% of their shots in the second half. I mean, they very good chance they're going to play the rest of the season and not have a half where they shoot 70% and a half. Um, and, you know, that doesn't happen very often. And uh, so, no, it was a lot, lot of good things. So we'll see what the Cajuns do tonight. Again, they are off to a a great start. Jordan Brown has done nice, uh, has gotten off to a good start. But he didn't have, like, his best game against Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech shot unbelievable, and the Cajuns still won. That's a good sign. If I'm a Cajun fan, I like that. I, my best player had an okay game, but not a great game by his standards. The other team shot it unbelievably well and you still won the game and so turnovers I want to say they had about 13 I don't remember exactly but it wasn't it wasn't a high amount Uh, point guard play continues to be pretty good so we'll see what happens there their two guards Newtall and and uh and Phelps are both about 6-3 again the two leading scorers on the team and so we'll see how the Cajuns defensively handle those guys you know I wonder if you know Greg Williams is a very good defensive guard that can can guard a a, a, a really talented 6-3 guard and um you know maybe maybe Jalen can do a little more of that as well uh off the bench some some games he plays more minutes than others but no that it's it's a promising matchup 
Uh, I mean, a good matchup, and we'll see what the Cages do. Again, I don't, you know, they could be by 30, you might be a little concerned, but as long as it's a competitive game, if you win, great. If you lose, it's, you know, an early season, holiday, road, non-conference game, and we'll kind of go from there. So, interesting matchup tonight. Cajuns and SMU. Uh, I think it's called Moody Coliseum that they play in in Dallas. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour. Kind of starting to get a little bit of that holiday feeling through all of the busyness of, of what's going on with all the seasons colliding. Uh, we'll be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you the World Cup is back and you can watch all the thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette free over the air on KLWB Channel 50.3 or Cox Channel 19. Uh, For Lake Charles listeners, World Cup fans can watch Telemundo Lake Charles free over the air on Channel 19.2 or suddenly Channel 137. That's thrilling World Cup action. You can catch it right here on Delta Media. So speaking of basketball, another... uh, level the nba the new orleans pelicans got a big win last night over golden state um golden state fell to eight and ten the pelicans are ten and six and brandon ingram had 34 points and six rebounds so it struck me that you know both of those teams are struggling right now so it's not like you know these were tremendous victories but the the two New Orleans pro teams, you know, last night and was that back to back days beat the defending champions at home, and so you know it is what it is. Those two teams are having both having now. Technically, Golden State is not due for a medicine season. You know they they had they won they've won titles very recently. And, you know, they've been an elite team for a while now. So they're not due for a medicine season. The Rams are due for a medicine season because they had won a title in a a long time. And, you know, I wouldn't say it was out of the blue, but it wasn't like they were preseason favorites and they hadn't won a title in a long time. So they were very due. And the ball really bounced their way. I mean, it just really bounced their way. So... Uh, they were heavily due for a medicine season. But, no, it's uh, it's still nice to beat a team like the Warriors and who have won so many games and so highly thought of. And I know they're struggling this year at 8-10, and 10, but still not, not nice win for the Pelicans last night. And, and for the New Orleans teams, they scored, um, you know, 30-some points in, in every quarter last night in the – and the Warriors had two quarters where they didn't even get to 20. So, you know, I mean, I don't think too many people outside of Warrior fans are going to feel too sorry for the Rams or the Warriors, for that matter. Uh, you know, I've had, I have used to have that theory years ago, and I still guess I kind of do. I just don't think about it a whole lot because my teams have won titles now. But most of my life, I mean, if you've ever won a title, you, you can forget about me feeling sorry for uh, and then that's kind of the game. Nobody going to feel sorry for the Rams. Now, the difference is the Rams, 
don't have a punk for a head coach, and so it's really difficult to pull for them. But um, and I, you know, I don't really think the Warriors have a punk for a head coach, but they've had a lot of success, and so you know, a lot of teams, a lot of fans don't really pull for teams that have had as much success as they've had. But anyway, good win for the Pelicans. Again, still so early. I I don't like putting. I try to avoid making drawing major conclusions about a team or over-celebrating wins or over-agonizing over losses, you know, this early in the season in in basketball or baseball. Now, football is a little different because you don't have too many games. You know, every game is so important in football because you just don't play very many games. But in basketball and baseball, you know, the first couple months of the season – I mean, injuries matter, but outside of injuries, I mean, you want to win it. You don't want to dig yourself, you know, a huge hole to where it's just so hard to come out of. But the Pelicans aren't in that situation. They're 10 and 7. And yeah, you might say, well, I didn't think they'd have 7. It's early. So, you know, that's why it's hard for me to put a whole lot of stock in it, but it's still fun to discuss here and there. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros Stadium, simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. If you would like to get in, now's a good time. We're going to be talking like we do at 1015 all season long on Tuesday with Cajun sideline reporter Cody Juno. And then there will be time in, a, in you know, in the in the segment following that to call if you would like to come in on you know Saints Pelicans high school all kind of things NFL in general uh, whatever certainly Cajun football LSU football I mean I I in terms of LSU football and again we plan on talking to Koki tomorrow as we do each week on Wednesday. I, I hesitate to feel like LSU's going to win easily because I thought the same thing about Arkansas and, and, and they could have lost that game. But something tells me A&M just they, – what a – you know, they used to call their defense the wrecking <laughs> They are just – they are just a mess, just an – all-American mess. That's what Texas A&M football is. And I, I I, shouldn't say I'd be shocked if it's a competitive game in the fourth quarter because it's, you know, it's football. And I, I kind of thought the same thing about Arkansas, and Arkansas took them to the wire. Uh, and, and, was, and Arkansas was in great position to tie or win the game until, you know, Perkins made an incredible play. So... I hesitate to say that, but really, I don't. I think A and M. I mean, they are just what a mess. What a what a mess they are. Um, it you know I've said for years, 
I just I just don't understand why they're not better at why they can't get a better quarterback. But but they're lacking way more than just a quarterback. It is it is. Dopey's their head coach, and uh, why uh, you know he's still and they trusted him that much. I mean that's just you know you make decisions and you kind of have to live with them or or figure out a a better exit plan, and they haven't done all of that. So I think it's going to be a route, but we'll see. So if you want to talk about LSU, certainly feel free. Artie Cajuns uh, going into their final game against Texas State, and obviously we'll be talking a lot about that with Cody in the next segment. Um, we we stumbled across – yesterday we discussed – I think it was Ryan from Lake Charles that called about the Cajuns, the, the Saints' future quarterback situation. And I don't know why, I guess uh, it hit me while I was on the air yesterday and I said it when it happened. It was the first time I even considered this. Because he was talking about, like, what are the options? Do you go in the trade? Do you go in the draft and try to get Hooker, who's going to be coming off a major injury? Uh, I don't like that play. I don't like rookies, period, much less an injured rookie. Um, do you, you know, what veteran do you go out and get? So it hit me for the first time because I've been trying to avoid the, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't want Andy Dalton to begin with, and now he's a starting quarterback, but it hit me. I wonder if the Saints are actually considering, like, I wonder if you asked, and they 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 don't know anything 100%. We haven't even finished this season. We got what do they have um 6 7 games left. But I wonder if they're actually considering Andy Dalton being their opening day quarterback next year. I, that never even entered my mind until yesterday. Maybe I've been trying to push it away and block it out. So on Sunday afternoon, when the Saints play in Cheaterville, you have Jimmy Garoppolo on one side and Andy Dalton on the other side. What I wonder what the percentages are or what the likelihood is that one of those two guys will be the Saints opening day quarterback next season. Seriously, I mean, I don't think Garoppolo's going to be with them. But what if they go to the Super Bowl? Like, what are they going to do? I mean, the whole Jimmy G offseason thing with the Cheaters was bizarre. And now they're on a roll, and they were my pick to go to the Super Bowl this year. And I kind of think they're – I kind of think – it might happen. Like, I know how good the Cowboys look at times. And the Cowboys are pretty good on the line of scrimmage, too. So it would not shock me if the Cowboys would beat them in a playoff game. Um, but who who else in the NFC is going to beat them? Now, again, Jimmy G has had bad games before. I'm not saying he's not above a bad game. Not saying that. But um, other than the Cowboys, if they avoid turnovers, I don't think the Eagles would beat them. I think they'll know how to play the Eagles. They'll know that. 
that I think they, I think the Eagles again. The Saints have zero chance. They could play the Eagles a thousand times. They would never beat them one time. But I think the cheaters will know how to beat them because they can they can handle they can handle their own on the line of scrimmage, and they understand about how to deal with running quarterbacks way better than the than the Saints do. I, I just so but again so or they or if they go to the Super Bowl are they going to get rid of Jimmy G? And if they do. Why wouldn't the Saints consider it? See, I wasn't considering because in my mind, I, I mean, I, I thought Jameis was going to work out. It turns out they didn't even give Jameis a chance. He's been here three years and he's not gotten a chance. It's just that is mind-boggling to me. I, he's been here for three seasons now and he has still not gotten a chance to be the starting quarterback. I mean, I, I don't even understand that. But anyway, um, obviously that ship has sailed now. So, what do you? If it's not going to be Andy Dalton, which I don't want it to be, and it's not going to be Jimmy G, I mean, I, I on that field, very it looks like it's got a pretty decent chance of happening, being the starting quarterback for the next season. Good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, I I would think Jimmy G's not going to be there. Maybe he will. I'm talking about. In Cheaterville, stick with it. I mean, are they? Are, it's kind of like the situation. It's different, but it's kind of similar to the, like the situation Astros were in. If you go to the World Series, are you really going to get rid of your GM? And they did. They won the World Series and they got a new GM. So if Jimmy G wins the goes to the Super Bowl and or wins the Super Bowl as your starting quarterback you're going to ditch him again they're in a unique situation because they gave up all this draft capital to get this young quarterback who who knows if he's going to be any good i mean none of us have any idea how good he's going to be none of us that's just bizarre again i hadn't thought about all of this i hadn't really wrapped my mind around all of this until the last 24 hours or so like that could be the case just really weird just really bizarre. And of course I don't I don't think I don't I mean I don't think Jimmy G's gonna have to do very much on on Sunday. But when you run the ball as well as they do, it becomes pretty easy to to pass the football. So he could have a big day just like he did this past I mean last night with four touchdown passes. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning there, Mr. Foot. How you doing there, buddy? Oh, I'm good and bad. You know how it is. How are you? I'm doing good, Kevin. Kevin, you're talking about Jimmy G next year being with the Saints. Well, uh, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you, it's not going to be just the Saints looking to try to get him. I could probably name five teams right now with this love to have him as their quarterback this year. You, the, uh, the Colts, uh, Washington, Pittsburgh, I mean, I could keep on there probably more than that. They all say he's going to be the hottest commodity for uh, a veteran quarterback. Well, I think Pittsburgh, I think Bobby Scott's going to be their starting quarterback next year. Uh, okay, how about the Colts? Oh, no, that could be. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, how about Houston? Uh, you don't think they're going to just stick with their young guy? You think they're totally dissatisfied with him? I mean, they're not very good, so I can understand if they are, but I don't know that they're totally dissatisfied with their quarterback. But there's potential for there's potential for at least five or six teams that are going to need a quarterback. That's true. No, that, that's gonna, fair. That's fair. 
And he's a baby. I mean, boy, I think Baylor quarterback is going to be available next year. Really, think about it. They won't be. Is your ex, is your ex quarterback going to be available? Probably. Yeah. Probably because they're probably going to go in and try to say, "Look, next year that class is going to be stopped from quarterbacks coming out of college." I mean, they're going to probably have eight, eight or nine that's going to draft them, going to draft them the first round. I'd rather golf than Dalton. You would? I would. Other than, other than, at least Dalton knows the system and has a relationship with the receivers already, so that might limit a um, a transition phase if they're really thinking about going with him. And you know, another thing, Jimmy G might go. He might go back home, Kevin. New England. Wow. Think about that. Wow. But but just say that's all my point was. I was trying to say is he's going to be a hot commodity. You know. As much as that guy feels unwanted in San Francisco, you know he could have let them cut them, cut them him this year, and he could have been with the team right now, making more money. But you know he said, "Well, I'll go in and sign for a smaller contract." And you know now it's like a it's like a proving year for him, and he's proving it. All that other cat does is win, and I don't understand why they don't like him. Why they don't like him, Kevin? What is the what is the reason why everybody's down on him? You tell me. Well, I don't think he's a guy who can carry a team on his shoulders. But, again, when you play the kind of football that the cheaters do, which is actually the kind of football I love, um, you don't need a quarterback. You don't need a QW quarterback. You just he, – he's part of a team and he can win. I mean, he again, he's one play away from being a Super Bowl champion. Uh, and, 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 and he could have easily have been in the Super Bowl last year, easily. Right, but you know, Kevin, look at all these teams you're talking about. We were talking about. He was the the most the Colts don't need much, okay? The uh, the Patriots don't need that. You know what I mean? He could fit with those teams. Look, look, what if Jimmy G would be with the Jets this year? Think about that. No, again, um, no, I agree, I agree. And what about the Titans? Yes, the Titans. That's another one. Yes. They don't need a, they don't need a QW quarterback, but uh, they might. I'm sure they would feel like Jimmy G is a little a little above Tannehill. Right, right. He, they, what you were saying about they don't want a team that doesn't need that has a good defense doesn't need a flashy quarterback. He fits that bill for a lot of Perfect. teams. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Have a good Thanksgiving, buddy. You too, sir. No, again, I, I'm not saying it's a lock. I'm not saying it's a lock that he would come to New Orleans. I'm just saying I didn't even think about the fact. That, you know, and him, yeah, are the Saints really planning on Andy Dalton being their starting quarterback next year? Could that really be true? And someone just texted, what about the Yucks? I mean, the Yucks may need a quarterback next season, too. Oh, this is all just too much for my little mind. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, shift gears. Talk Cajun football with Cody Juno next on the game. <laughs> there is nothing worse on Thanksgiving than sitting at the table eating a piece of dry turkey. Water. Water, please. <laughs> Your turkey may be like eating cardboard, but there's nothing dry about the sports talk here at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you before we get to Cody, the Lyle Lovett and the acoustic group are coming to the Hyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February the 24th. If you would like to experience this incredible night of live music, tickets are currently on sale and you can get them by going to Ticketmaster.com. Once again, get your tickets today at Ticketmaster.com to see Lyle Lovett and the acoustic group at the Perform- Hyman Performing Arts Center on February, Friday, February the 24th. All right, we have with us Cody Juno. How are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Well, a little better than the last time I saw you. Yeah, I need to get it to it, but yes, you were you were flustered on. I, 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 I will tell you the whole story, but I'll give you a snippet just as an example. I had already gone on three wild goose chases by the time because people in Florida State have no idea what's going on in the city of Tallahassee or on the campus or at the football stadium. It's unbelievable. But anyway, so by the time I got to you, I was so uh, – I was just told complete frustration. So immediately following, like seconds after, I get in the elevator, and this is the guy that runs the elevator for the at the stadium. I say – Hello, sir. I need to go to the press box. He says, okay. He lets me off on floor number eight. Again, oh, I had already been on I had already been on three wild goose chases and been totally deceived by everyone on, on that on in that town and on that campus. So he's the guy who runs the elevator. He lets me off on floor number eight. I get out. I don't see anyone. I don't hear anything. I'm walking through these meeting rooms. And I'm like, where is the press box? And there's no one inside. I'm like, am I in the in the middle of a game of Clue where I got to go through the kitchen to get to the study on some secret passage? Like, where is the <laughs> press box? I'm like, I mean, what? I, I thought I, I thought the entire day was like I was on candid cameras. It was unbelievable. But but eventually you made it. Eventually and, and I got it. back and and made it up to nine and. Got there, and I'm not even going to go into what happened after that. But anyway, that's enough of that. So, the Cajuns, I guess you can say they survived the trip to Florida State. I mean, me and a lot of people are like, man, you got to get people out. But they, they kind of played it to the end, didn't empty the benches, and it didn't look like they were any worse for the wear. Yeah, I mean, well, we know that A.J. Riley, um, you know, was hurt himself, and then you heard Dez yesterday talk about um, – Caleb Anderson. Caleb Anderson. Anderson, yeah. Uh, didn't finish the game. Uh, you know, Rubio didn't go. But, yeah, I mean, stayed healthy. Um, and, look, I, I just want to say this. I I don't know what I was expecting to see from Florida State, but they were much faster and a lot bigger than I w- had ever imagined uh, they could be. I don't, I, you know, I'm kind of ask you, I don't remember Texas being as fast as, as Florida oh, State no, was. no, no, no. No. On on Saturday. No, um, Florida State was very impressive. Yes. The football yeah. team was very impressive. Yes. Yeah. Um and, and so, you know, and, and so it, it kinda is what it is. And and I think again, even in that first half, we saw the Cajun offense be able to run the football. And and the numbers might not have told the story because of the way college football and the sacks and all that stuff. But they at times when they were able to stay on schedule, which is what we've talked about all year. They were able to have some success running the football, and they did that in the second half. Uh, and, you know, uh, 11 games in, Kevin, if I would have told you that this Cajun offense is running the football the way it's done over the last three or four weeks compared to where they were 
you know, the first three or four weeks of the season, we would have said there's no way. And so I think that's one of the big positives to come out of um, Saturday. Chandler played better in, in the second half. He's still got to be much more consistent in an absolutely massive game Saturday. I just, you know, Coach Daz yesterday at his presser, you know, he's talk, he's talking like a coach is going to talk, and, and you got to get out of it. But for me, it's very difficult to judge anything good or bad that happened in that game Saturday. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, can you really judge anything good or bad? Bad first half, good second half by what happened. I mean, like, where does Texas State's defense fall into this whole equation? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to judge any of that. Well, no, but I mean, I think trying to take positives out from, you know, a, a lopsided result, right? Which, you know, if we're going to be honest with us, most people thought it was probably going to be a lopsided result. And to be fair, now, yes, I understand Florida State is the bitch, but that game felt like it was going, I mean, it was 21 nothing in the first quarter, and it felt like it was going to get out of hand real fast. Um, and 49-17 is out of hand, but it certainly felt like, uh, you know, the Knowles could have um, – could have put up more if they wanted to. It could have been historic, yes. All right, so, but he, here, I got I got so many thoughts in my mind with this matchup. One, you know, I've joked for years that the Cajuns just absolutely own Texas State, and they do. They never played a single-digit game say, against Texas. Yeah. Never, never played a single-digit game against them. They've absolutely, you could argue they've blown them out in every time they've ever played them. So that is true. But also... I keep hearing how absolutely awful Texas State is. And then I said, okay, Texas State is awful. And then I look at their scores. They lose 17-14 to 14 at Troy. They lost 20-14 to 14 against Southern Miss. You know, they, they, they didn't score. They didn't play great against Arkansas State, but they won the game. They beat App. I mean, are they really that much worse than all these Sunbelt teams who all seem about the same? I mean, I – no. It's, no, it's what we've been talking about the Sunbelt Conference all year, right? Uh, I think that there is a lot of parity. Um, you know, I think candidly, <laughs> as a league, we say, oh, it's because everybody's good. It's why everybody can beat each other. Well, I, I don't know that that's true. But the reality is, any given Saturday, anybody in this league can beat anybody else. Um, and so, look, I think this is a huge circumstance game. Forget the Cajuns for a second, Kevin, because here's what we don't know. We don't know the status of Jake Spavitol, the Texas State head football coach. Correct. Has he been fired? Is he playing for his job? Is he safe in coming back? Right? They're out of you know, they're they've got seven losses, they can't go to a bowl. Like senior day, right? This is this huge emotional game. Can they get to five wins and use it, you know, if if Spav comes back as a as a launching pad for next season to try to, you know, move themselves forward. So before we even get to what the Cajuns have to do, there's going to be a lot of emotions on that Texas State sideline Saturday night or afternoon. I agree, but let me ask you, when you are a transfer portal program, does senior day even matter? Well, it matters in the sense that it's your last – I don't think it matters that you're graduating or finishing. It's the, it's your last game. Like, yeah. That is what – that's what the significance of senior day. It's not the last time <laughs> – I don't think, you know, the Texas State players, all the transfers are getting emotional. It's the last day that they're going to put on, you know, the maroon and gold. I think it's just, you know, the last time a lot of them are going to play college football because they're not going to a bowl game. The thing that concerns me is that Chandler Fields did not play particularly well in the first few games, and then he gets hurt, and there's no ways in rhythm with these receivers in my mind. I mean, to me, there's just no way. And – and I, I don't. I think you really gotta 
I think you got to scale the offense back a little bit from where you were with Ben in the last couple games that he played and, and really lean on the running game. Am I, am I off base here? No, and I heard you bring it up yesterday in the press conference. And, no, I think you're spot on, right? Um, <coughs> excuse me. I think the Cajun running game is going to play a big factor in, in what happens Saturday, right? Uh, and the ability to hit big plays off of that running game. But I think, yeah, probably for the first time, Maybe all year, but it's one of the few times I think the Cajuns are going to come out and try to establish the run game, use the run game to open up the throw game as opposed to using the throw game to try to open up the run game. You know, when we saw some really stingy run defenses against, you know, South Al and Troy and um, and Marshall earlier in the season. So I'm with you. I, I think if you can get that running game going and, you know, set up the play-action game, that's what the Cajuns are going to need to try to do on Saturday. And I also think it's going to be a game where the Cajuns are going to need to force turnovers on defense, which has been tremendous. They've been they've done great at it, but Texas State, even though they only have four wins, they're not as you know they used they the last couple of years they played a lot of where they, it's a game it's a game with a million possessions and they 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 throw the ball over the field and they run it and and they turn it over and it's just chaotic football. They don't seem to be playing as chaotic a game of football as they did the last few years to me. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think so. You know, when when Spavital first got the job, they were going up tempo fast. They, it, it was a shootout, right? They wanted to just score, 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 score. And they've started to play a little bit of defense and, and, and kind of lean on, on, on that defense a little bit. And so, yeah, they've changed up the way that they, they're playing, um, you know, the offensive football, right? Being a little bit more conservative, not ultra conservative, but, but a little bit more than maybe what we're used to in the past. And, you know, they've got the transfer quarterback. Uh, from Arkansas State, a couple of you know transfers from Arkansas State specifically, uh, so you know very familiar with the Cajuns. Um, yeah, I think it's you know almost want to call it a more responsible approach to offense that they're taking this year. And again, all of that leads to not a blowout game unless you can get turnovers. To me, I mean, I I'm just not seeing it unless they can really run the ball down their throats. Well. I- I don't know why you would think this would be a blowout game anyway. I mean, like, what what's, what's, what has led you to believe that um, outside of history, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just, think. again, the history says that. I, I just keep getting this, well, they get to play Texas State. Uh, you know, yeah, but it's but they finish with Texas State. Uh, I mean, it is. I mean, it, it is, but that's, I think, the, it's okay for you and I to have that because uh, it is Texas State, right? But, again – it was just Monroe, right? It was just Rice. <laughs> and so, like, you can't take any of those things for granted, you know, this this, this season, clearly, and, and Cage is going to have to strap it up and, and play. Um, you know, I, I, thing that I'm interested in to see in is, do we see a little bit more of Zion Chris this week, right? Uh, is that something where he gets worked into the offense? We talk about that run game and maybe getting it going. Uh, you know, the freshman out of out – of, um, But, but so can you – See what happens – Look, I, I've been thinking about the whole Zion Chris thing for a month now, but can you really put him in that position right now in, in a game that's that important? Well, are there special packages that can be used? It's, it's kind of what I'm saying. No, yeah. Chandler Fields is going to be the quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. The, the one thing that, again, you tell me, it, you know, a lot of times when you're constantly told something by players or coaches – 
you know, you kind of have, you got to have to put it through the coach speak filter or whatever. But we've been hearing about the solidarity and how much the players like one another. And you got to look, focus on the next play and the next game and the next practice and all of this focus and that word that I hate, but it's true called culture since 2018. And it, and it seems like it hasn't slipped a bit, right? I mean, right after the game, they're saying, they're like, oh, it's not a big deal. We'll move on. We all love one another. And, I mean, it can't be as warm and fuzzy as they say, but they've been saying the same thing, and we keep seeing the evidence that the intangibles are all still intact. It's pretty amazing, right? As much fraying as, as has happened, right, and all the close games that were won a year ago and the year before that, and you come up on the short end of the stick this year, uh, no, it really is amazing how they have stuck together. And I can just tell you, being you know, down there on the sideline uh, for 11 times this year, it's it's true. I mean, there's not – you don't have guys going off when things aren't going right, right? We're not fussing and fighting with each other. There's no attitudes. Um, you know, that part of things has been really amazing to, to, to see and watch uh, and witness uh, given the way that the season has unfolded. So – at this point, I've got no reason not to believe it. And there are, you know, there's a section, and they've been mad <laughs> since the coach Des was named, and you know, people want to coach fired and all that. But if you're the athletic director, is that the number one thing you're looking for? Is what the number one thing I'm looking that for? That the program is still heading all in the same direction, and the players don't have all that, you know, things that happen when you have rough seasons sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the, the more important factors, right? The program is not in turmoil. And, I mean, look, the reality is as good as Mark Hudson, as much good as Mark Hudson has done, towards the end of his tenure, the program was in turmoil, right? Yeah. And, and and that more than, than wins and losses led to led to a change. And so, again, we're having even completed year one. But, yeah, no, I think you look at the culture and the fit and, 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 and those sort of things, and then you make adjustments also, okay, this worked, this didn't. We tried this, and it didn't work. We maybe need to do this a little bit more as you evaluate things. But, no, absolutely. The culture um, and the chemistry certainly, I think, play a big factor in, in when you're evaluating teams. All right. Hopefully I get to see you Saturday, and hopefully I'm in a little better mood than I was this past Saturday. <laughs> it's got to be hard for you not to be. Okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Have a good turkey day, my friend. Take care. You too. Oh man, I was I. That story I told was not an exaggeration. That really happened. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Anyway, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Tune in every weekday at 8:15 a.m. and 3:15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, tune in tonight. No, tomorrow night. Today's Tuesday. Tomorrow night from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers. Line of bed out of Westlake and Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Our friend Jim Gazzola will be talking the Cowboys who ended the season on a winning streak. Nice to go out that way. And uh, they will be doing the Coaches Show again from Maplewood Burgers. Maplewood Burgers, located 4453 Nelson Road. So tune in Wednesday from 6 to 7, McNeese State Coaches Show 
with Jim Gazzolo right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot, what's going on, man? How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Did you did you hear any of my revelations over the last twenty four hours and 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 if you did like what was going through your mind or have you already had those re- quarterback revelations? No, I, I only had them because you forced me to have them because you talked about it. I did I did not think that Andy Dalton was an option for next season, but now it's all I can think about. But could could they really be thinking that? Well, that's, that's what I wanted to call you and talk to you about because. In the second before you talked to Cody, you were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and, and the gentleman that was on the phone with you was saying how he's going to be a hot commodity and everybody's going to be after him. And I don't think it's wrong. But we're coming off of Jimmy, probably Jimmy Garoppolo's best game as a professional quarterback last night. So we're feeling pretty good about Jimmy Garoppolo. But can we pump the brakes on this guy just a little bit? I mean, he does have double-digit interceptions in every season he's ever played a full season. He's Andy Dalton. Like, that's who he is. So we're we're clamoring for this guy. And, look, if you offered him to me, I would take him. I'm not saying he's bad. But he's Andy Dalton. Well, I'm not clamoring for him. I'm just saying it could be an option. Like, it's it's probably – the percentages are probably not under 10% that that could be their plan for the starting quarterback next year, one of the two guys in Sunday's game in Cheetoville. Yeah, and, and, and look. If Jimmy Garoppolo's the starting quarterback for the Saints next year, I'm all in on Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, he's my guy, and I think that we can win with him. And you can win with Andy Dalton, a a prime Andy Dalton, a a younger Andy Dalton. The Bengals did it. They made the playoffs consistently. Now, he didn't win once he got there. But you can can have a playoff team with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. But let's not anoint this guy as, like, a a fantastic Hall of Fame, great quarterback, elite quarterback. He's not that. He's not going to come in and solve all of our problems. No, uh, he can't. Things. He can't stop the run. But he's also not zero and six forty two in primetime games like a redhead. I know. Yes, the guy's but never I, won a primetime game. Like he's he just oh. Remember the when the Saints used to be great in primetime? You remember that? That was fun. Oh, that, it was, that fun. was fun. I, I remember that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if the if the Saints signed Jimmy Garoppolo, we as Saints fans can't sit back and be like, oh, well, wipe our hands. We're good now. Like, no. Nick, you know I don't think that. Nick, you know I don't think that. I'm just just trying to figure out. Because nothing has made any sense to me with the running back and quarterback position since, like, a year ago. And so I'm just trying to to maybe think like they think. By the way, before I let you go – I know he's been fumbling, like, at an epidemic proportion, but what would you think if the Saints signed Melvin Gordon? They, they have to be doing everything they can to sign him. Like, that has Why? to be the yes. number one project for Mickey Loomis right now is sign that man. And just hope you can figure it out, the fumbling part. Because yeah. he can catch I mean, and so, he can run. We're so bad at running back that you have to, you have to do something. I don't know what their plan is, and – and I think that we all, in the back of our minds, we might be thinking that this season is over, and that's fine. But we have no running backs. Like, we don't have a running back. So, it's just unbelievable. It's crazy. I but hope I, they sign and, and yeah, and yeah, And look, Kevin, I know that you don't think that, but, you know, some of the people think that. you got to talk to the people. I understand. All right, Foot, thanks. Thanks. 
Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, man, like a Johanna, you know, I'm on Thanksgiving break, and I'm not – I'm just living life. I'm enjoying my, my little time off. I uh, wanted to chime in over the old Jimmy G uh, talk. Yeah, this is how I see Jimmy G and Andy Dalton. I, I think Garoppolo's a starting NFL quarterback. Uh, you know, I do. Uh, a, a notch above Andy Dalton. I don't think that Andy Dalton is starting NFL quarterback. Uh, you know, listen, he had a great game against the uh, uh, Rams team that, that you know, is, is kind of like the Saints, beset by injuries. And the game plan was spectacular, which I don't understand why this game plan has not been enacted Prior to well, it was, it was, but it just wasn't in the previous two games. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, just a perfect game plan and executed perfect. So, the way I see Garoppolo is this: like last night, when everybody's healthy and the O line's protecting, and you know he has all of his weapons. Well, sure, he's a pretty good quarterback, you know, but. And that's why I think, Kevin, you have so many QW worshippers because they think that all every quarterback is going to be Mahomes or Josh Allen or, you know, whomever. Uh, so where does Jimmy G fall when you don't have all your weapons and you don't have, uh, you know, so, I, I, I mean, I, I think the guys are, are serviceable NFL quarterback that you can win games with when you have a complete team around him. Uh, Andy Dalton, I guess, is close to that. It's just those things are very difficult. The degree of of where a quarterback is to me is that that's a, it's one of the most difficult things to put a finger on. And uh, so, uh, what I Take Garoppolo as a Saints quarterback? Sure. I, I think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, which I don't know if the Saints have one at this time. I mean, obviously somebody's going to start at quarterback, yeah, but will they, will, if it's Andy Dalton, which we, obviously it's not going to be Jameis because he's, you know, he's probably never getting back on the field. And so if it's Andy Dalton, you know, Kevin, we're still in the same. Oh, dilemma. if it's that, I'm, I'm going to be. If they announce that guy's the starting quarterback next year, uh, oh, early yeah. in the preseason, in the offseason, it, 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 it's going to well, be. It, oh, it, it'll ruin your whole. I mean, what, what will you. <laughs> what really will you have to look forward to? You hope that we that the Saints can go nine and eight or eight and nine and hope the division's terrible. I mean, Andy Dalton cannot. But again, but again, with all of that said, if they don't figure out how to stop the run again, it's not going to matter who the quarterback is. It literally is not going to matter who the quarterback is if they don't start stopping the run again. He can be 25 for 25 on Sunday with two touchdowns and, you know. And they're not going to win. And they're not win because if they don't stop the run Sunday, forget about Sunday. 
Again, forget about they can't stop the Rams and the Steelers, the two worst running teams in all of football they couldn't stop. How are they going to stop the Cheaters Sunday? I mean, there's just no way. It's impossible. No possible way. Yeah. I mean, no, well, let me just say, nothing Unless, possible. It's highly improbable, extremely improbable. Unless all their running backs turn into Melvin Gordon and just fumble after every seven-yard run. <laughs> and that. I mean, you know, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, those most of the guys right now, I mean, Mitchell comes in last night and he's lights out. And, of course, the, the China doll uh, from Carolina Panthers, you know, he comes to he comes to San Francisco and he's just a gangbuster. Of course, I'm waiting any moment for for him to get broken. You know, that, 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 that's... Yeah, uh, but they're smart enough to say, you know what, yeah. I don't think this guy's a dump truck. Like... Well, We're not going to run him like a dump Carolina, truck. Carolina tried to make him a dump truck yeah. for, what, four or five years? And what happened was every year after yeah, he got stupid. to about the ninth game? Bam, broken. Yeah, I mean, the, the, he's a cat that uh, he's, once again, not a dump truck. Hello, McFly. Okay, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I'm fat and unathletic, and I figured that out five years ago. And the Saints are yeah, trying to make the same mistake the Arnolds did. They don't ever want to get a running back. We wanted to say what Luke said the other day. You know, they had some guys in the building that they thought were going to work out and they just didn't pan out. And I, when I was listening to Luke, you and Luke, I wish I could have called in and said, Luke, Kevin Foote has been screaming about this for two years. Kevin Foote and many other people knew those guys were not NFL running backs. You mean to tell me that nobody in the Saints building – Knew they weren't NFL running backs. They just didn't pan out. I mean, come on. Like you say, uh, uh, we knew they weren't NFL running backs. How could anybody in the Saints building think they were NFL running backs? Uh, uh, it, it, it befuddles me, Kevin. Befuddles me. Listen, happy Thanksgiving, Kevin, to the wonderful Foot family. And y'all enjoy. And uh, don't eat too much. Same to you, and I'm going to try. I have to drown my right, sorrows in good food. Thanks. Thanks, Manny. Happy Thanksgiving. No, I, again, again, I'm not, if you listen to me every day, I'm not, you know, the Saints lose, I want to fire the coach, and everything's awful. I don't feel like everything's awful. But the running back and quarterback situations have just been, they have just beyond my comprehension of what are they thinking and what are they doing. And, again, it didn't start, this is not a Dennis Allen thing. This started Two off-seasons ago when Casper was still the coach. Like, what were they thinking at running back? I just I just don't get it. I just don't get it at all. All right. We'll take a timeout. Decided, man, I think running back's a position we don't need. Oh, okay. That's a good plan. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on The Game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. Want to remind you, you can listen to all your Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free app on both your Apple and Android devices, and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to Holiday Cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. I, again, on my way back from Tallahassee, listened to 
some Christmas music and it 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 helped me. I you know, I know I know there are a lot of Scrooges out there who don't like Christmas music and they complain about it. I just love it. I just love it. Now, again, I got, it's got to be the right Christmas songs, but um I I just love it. And so uh it 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 does my heart good. I need to take advantage of that as well. All right. So we are again, we will not have a show on Thursday. Tomorrow the plan is to um, talk to Cokie Riley like we normally do about 9.15, see if he has any more hope for, man, I just, man, that, that A&M LSU game could be a complete face crushing. We'll see what happens. But um, we'll talk LSU football and national championship picture and all that stuff with Cokie tomorrow. And then at 10.15 tomorrow, because Thursday is Thanksgiving and we're not going to be on the air, the plan is to talk to Luke Johnson to see if if Luke has any better of an idea. If he, I mean, I don't know. This, talk about another complete mismatch. The Saints and the Cheaters on Sunday. Oh, it's going to be awful. But anyway, um, we'll talk to Luke tomorrow. And then on, uh, on Friday, as I said, plan is to talk a little more high school football. It'll be state quarterfinal day. And uh, we plan on talking to Coach Notre Dame coach Lewis Cook and Turley, I'm sorry, Karen Crow head football coach Tony Corville on Friday. And so, um, and hopefully uh, our normal visit with, with Gerald. I'll have to get with Gerald and see how he's doing. J- Gerald, I don't think, eats as much as I do anymore so we'll i'm sure he'll survive thursday but we'll we'll, we'll see how that plans out anyway that's the plan for the next for the rest of the week as we um inch closer to one thanksgiving and again you can hear all of the thanksgiving triple header action right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles and inch closer to the cajuns big game in san marcos at at, at four, and then shortly after that, LSU will be playing, and then the Cajun, I mean, the Saints, by the way, playing on the Flake Coast, so they'll be starting about, I think it's 325 start. So, got a busy weekend. And, of course, you know, the Ohio State-Michigan game, which you can hear right here as well, uh, Saturday morning. So, it's a huge sports weekend in a lot, a lot of different ways. So, um and then, you know, a lot of these games, and we'll go over this again tomorrow, but there's a lot of these games that, that really impact whether the Cajuns get in a bowl game if they win, and, and it's looking pretty good. That'll do it. Y'all have a nice day.